God. Well, boys, um, it's uh, quite literally a new day in America. Uh. Um, day three of the Biden presidency, technically. Um, the best day so far. The b- the days <laughs> just keep getting better, really, when you think about it. I got a question on inauguration day, like. Trump can make all those decisions like right up to the bell, right? Like as soon as Biden takes that oath, he's out, though, right? I think so. Yeah. Is that how yeah. it works, Terrence? Don't ask me, man. I'm. A, I think it's um noon. I believe it's noon. On election day or inauguration day, Trump has no powers after that. Okay, so basically they share about it. Trump works about a half day on his last day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets to go home early. Gets to go home early. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, well. I guess. Godspeed. Yeah. DJT. Oh, I. It's um. It's weird. It's. I don't know. I don't even know how to really talk about the last couple of days. Um. I guess we can start at the inauguration. Yeah. No. Um in the news coverage of the inauguration. Um, Wednesday was a weird day for me, um, just in general. I've had a very strange last couple of days. I mean, after getting that uh, diagnosis, I'm sure it was <laughs> difficult. <laughs> Processing reality now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, Your new normal. Yeah, it's been a weird couple. I had a very weird um, Wednesday. Uh Suffice it to say that after Wednesday, I have never been more assured. I've never been more confident in saying that something resembling a militarized, cross-class, fascistic force will come to America sooner or later. (laughs) I am completely confident in saying this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um... Mostly because uh, of conversations I had around town, people I talked to. um, For example, my plumber. Uh, My plumber came over, had to fix some things in my house. and uh, I wish your plumber was Joe the plumber. (laughs) It was literally Joe the plumber. We checked in on that bastard in the last 12 years. (laughs) Fuck you up, too. (laughs) He, um... Really wanted to talk politics, which I thought thought was pretty fascinating. Um, I was telling Tom this the other day. I thought I think like that would have been completely out of place. Like you you don't talk to strangers about politics just casually. T- just it's just as recently as ten years ago, you know. Yeah. Like I feel like there's things you just don't talk to strangers about. At least in my small town where I live, but I think this is the case in most of America up until very recently. Yeah, that's been considered gauche until very recently. Well, isn't yeah, isn't there yeah. that a whole thing where you don't talk like sports, politics, like religion? Well, that's at work, but I feel religion. generally speaking, like you know, people try not to like poke around in that that shit that might you know yeah. offend people. But everything is so polarized now; it's like it's all anybody well, can talk about. I mean, a lot of people have held this idea, too, about post-bus syndrome, but I won't live in the shadows anymore myself. I'll, I'm going to bravely confront the stigma. Terrence, I, too, been diagnosed with that. You don't have to shoulder that alone. Hell yeah. We should start a support group. Yeah. I'm here for you, boys. Can you imagine getting more and more worked up and stressed out after you bust, though? Like, immediately getting... <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> I can actually. <laughs> okay, this bit doesn't have legs. Um, <laughs> but okay, so yeah, that's a thing. You know, don't talk religion and politics with your coworkers. But there's exceptions that can be made. I feel like, though, across the board, generally speaking, you don't want to talk to strangers about politics and religion. But I've been in so many conversations recently with strangers about politics. Dude, are they like mad? I went into. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> Bro, they are mad as hell. Dude, my. This plumber wanted. It's like he told me this, like he just w- needed to get it off his chest. I don't even know how we were talking about this. 
because I know his boss, or I know who his boss is in the community, and so I was talking about him, and he was like, man, he's like, I don't know what your politics are, but he's like, man, I hate bosses. I've got too many bosses. I hate these corporations. I hate every single politician in D.C., but I'll tell you what. Donald Trump was the best best president we ever had, and I was like, "Damn, dude!" <laughs> and you're 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 with him like every step of the way, and then all all you got all you got in the end is, "Damn, that's wild!" <laughs> oh, that's crazy! <laughs> Damn, that's crazy! It's wild, man. I mean, it's it just goes to show you though that like uh, people feel disaffected. They feel. Uh, left out, trampled upon. Trump wasn't actually going to do anything for any of these people, but weirdly enough, he gave lip service to it. Like, he actually acknowledged them. You know, when Democrats say, we hear you, yeah. Trump actually did that for the chuds, or at least in their minds he did. He, he didn't actually, because he doesn't care about anybody but himself. But um, There's this uh, Maya Angelou quote that I uh, heard from a um, friend of the show, uh, Matt and Sam, from Know Your Enemy. And the Maya Angelou quote is something yeah. like, People will people won't remember what you said, they won't remember what you did, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And like, you know, right. Trump was their god king, man. Yeah. Well, he, he did. He feel... Go ahead. He made them feel held. <laughs> <laughs> when he ensconced. held that flag when he hit when he ensconced that flag, he ensconced seventy two million Americans. <laughs> <laughs> And now they feel left out by bodies, shivered in the cold, out on the porch yeah. when it's raining, knocking on the door, let me in. Oh man, there's Pe and Peter's out for burning. There's a lot of feelings about it. What are they saying? Uh, well, I was I shared that article you shared with me earlier about the political. Maybe we'll get into that. I don't know. Yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, but uh, one of them said, uh, <clears throat> "Bah ha 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 ha." Is this a true story, Tom? <laughs> I said, yes, sadly. So I thought I was finding some common ground with them. Then right out of the gate. Right. Fuck Bernie. Right. Whoa. <laughs> Another one chimed in and said, we're all Bernie bros in here, Mike. He said, God damn it, you're right. You're fucking right. Bernie brings out the best in all of us. And then... <laughs> Another one said, God bless Joe's senile heart. Fuck Bernie. God damn it. Fuck. And I can't spell... The educational system let me down. And then it devolved into a conversation about Letcher County schools and how uh, one of their daughters wants to move back to Letcher County because the school's so much easier there. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt that. <laughs> so a lot, of, uh, a lot of feelings floating around out there in the community. Hmm. Well, I'll say this. Um... The reason why I think uh, an actual fascist movement is probably inevitable is because I read something the other day. I don't know, dude. The, the entire day of Wednesday was a very dark day. So on one hand, you have the inauguration itself, right? You've got spectacle. These yeah. yeah, the spectacle. You've got the empty platitudes to democracy. The fashion uh, statements. The fashion statements. Garth <laughs> sliding in, just fucking. Um, no, I mean, you've got, yeah, the spectacle, you've got the, I don't know, it was just these empty platitudes towards democracy, the, the, the Lady Gaga thing where the sun opened, you know, came out of the clouds and like parted the sky Jesus. and like lit up the American flag. It was like a ritual, man. It was very ritualistic. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there's weird. anything on the Vigilant Citizen website about that, about the symbolism of any of that. <laughs> When's the last time y'all checked in with the Vigilant Citizen? <laughs> what is the it's Vigilant Citizen? <laughs> Uh, the Vigilant Citizen points out symbols in our society. Oh, God. It tells us the significance of them. Okay. They, they, they don't, they haven't, they usually just stay to the realm of pop culture, but I'm curious if they said anything about the inauguration attire of Lady Gaga. He's keyed on Lady Gaga for the better part of 10 years now. Well, but a lot also, of these people. They they look for symbolism in like Beyonce's videos, Lady Gaga's videos. But I mean, like, it's weird. What used to be known as the 
Illuminati mm-hmm. has now been morphed into the global child pedophile <laughs> cabal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. the whole New World Order Illuminati stuff was the seedbed for QAnon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Well, the vigilant citizen uh, stopped it. Their latest article is ca- is called <clears throat> "Army Hammer: Cannibalism and the Sickness of the Elite." <laughs> so they didn't I get see. to the inauguration yet. I guess. Not yet. Um. <laughs> no, it was weird. You had like people treating this guy who has literal pudding between his ears as if he's. Fidel goddamn Castro. Yeah. Like, it was just, everything was out of sync. <laughs> like, I mean, like, there were people on my timeline, like, Tom sent me this one photo of this guy who posted a photo of his child reaching up towards the TV as Biden oh spoke his inauguration speech. God. And the caption says, the audacity of hope. Jesus fucking <laughs> Christ. Yo, let me, let me tell y'all something. If we're down to... Joe Biden to be the expression of the audacity of our hope. You got a long road to hoe, boys. <laughs> it's it's well. Yeah, go ahead, Terry. Go ahead, Aaron. No, no, no go nah, ahead. No, I, I was thinking too, man. Like uh, at one point, David Axelrod said on CNN, he was like, "There's hunger for unity," and like Joe Biden is like, you know, that, that symbol of unity. And I'm like, motherfucker, like people with checks, they want healthcare. Like, they have this conception that, like, this is a moment that, you know, that where the country, you know, rises above its its divisiveness and Republicans and Democrats come together and it's like a tradition, you know what I mean, this transfer of power. But, like, nobody, I don't know, maybe I'm just being cynical. I mean, my mom was into it, but I feel like most people, like, are not, like, watching it. Or if they're watching it, they're not, they don't have those same, like, kind of, you know, sentimental feelings and values about this, you know what I mean? I think I think a lot of yeah. it too is just people just ready for Donald Trump to to be gone, and it's just that sort yeah. of like feeling of oh, our collective national nightmare is over, and like I don't want to have to be confronted with, you know, the reality of this broken system and the loneliness and everything that's yeah. pervasive in this society to keep us from to keep us immiserated. Uh-huh. Everybody just kind of wants a brief respite from that, and I get that in a way, yeah. but. Uh, I'm not the guy to provide it. Not the guy that's gonna step on your head while you're drowning. It, it's like a, yeah. it's like a negative. It's like a, how can I say it? It's like a negative feeling of elation, right? Like not in a positive way because people are excited about Joe Biden, but yeah, Tom, it's because Trump is gone. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I was watching the coverage. I was watching as Biden came in. It was like on NBC. And as Biden was, like, walking in to get ready to do his speech, like, one of the commentators is like, there's there's the president-elect and his first lady, and look at him. He's just looking around. I wonder what's going through his <laughs> mind right now. So he looks upon this, like, hallowed... Nothing. Yeah. Dog, no, I love no, it. No, I'll tell you... I love I'll it. tell you what's going through his mind. He's like, wow, cloud, cloud, <laughs> sun, chair... <laughs> Wife, wife or sister? sister. <laughs> wife, definitely wife. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, man. Here's the thing about it. My favorite part of the whole spectacle that morning, and I, was, I was tweeting about the other day, is how that like they treat it like they're commentating a golf tournament, like the morning of the inauguration. They get that low, hushed, reverent tone, and yeah. it's like balmy seventy yeah. degrees, just walking down the lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. That's shit. It's like they're talking about Biden, like he's some sort of prize-winning, like fucking Irish wolfhound or some shit. You know what I mean? He's got a nice gait. Just a lot of elegance as he goes from end to end. It's so fucking weird, man. And then it's just like, but they really say shit like, uh, you know, because they always show them in church that morning because they have to show them in church. Yeah. Right. And it's always like, this is a man that will govern with conviction and faith and uh, lead America into, you know, uh, past these troubled times, blah, 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 blah. And uh, my man's in there just thinking, I'm the man now. Is always thinking in his head. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. 
you know, in in his like brief moment of sentience, you know. There was um that night when they did that, you know, rock the USA thing for democracy. Oh, I couldn't watch that shit. Starring Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks of yeah, all people. Was, they um, picked Tom Hanks. Yeah, they uh, there was this quote on CNN. I guess David Chalian, I don't know the fucking dude's name, CNN political director, he said, those lights that are shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial along the reflecting pool are almost like extensions of Joe Biden's arms <laughs> embracing America. What the fuck is wrong? <laughs> Man, there's adults that say things like this. Uh, it's incredible. Robert Reich said, I am weeping. <laughs> I, I wonder, like, I just wonder, like, how much longer because again i don't think that i mean this one apparently more people watch it than watch trump's inauguration but i just don't think that people like share these warm like you know sentimental like even like flowery like sort of feelings and descriptions of the inauguration that like these libs do so i wonder like how much longer they're going to keep this up while people just like languish you know in poverty and are not even paying attention anymore and if they're still going to have this whole like you know like sanctimonious sort of like this praise like you know if, <laughs> yeah i mean that night so i mean you know i really did think and maybe this is how big of a rube i am i was like ah, the, surely they're not gonna get into office and really run with this unity thing right like they aren't that stupid uh. um but i am a fucking idiot so <laughs> i you know uh, imagine how shocked I was to <laughs> see this tweet going around. Spotted at the White House, Ron Klain, the White House chief of staff, sporting a unity mask. On one side, it's blue, and on the other side, it's red. Jesus. <laughs> Dude, there was another one that, that was talking about how Biden decorated the Oval Office. Um, on one side, there's a portrait of Jefferson. On one side, there's a portrait of Hamilton. It report that... Uh, it's in order to illustrate the benefits that come from differing views. That's what the Biden people say. This is literally the Obama playbook. Like, it's the whole this cabinet is, of rival shit. I hate this it's shit. It's even... Dude, it's... What's what's really dark about it is it's, it goes even further than the Obama stuff. Because, like, as that Politico article shows, the one I, I shared today... As it shows, like, Obama would not work with McConnell. Like, as soon as he realized that McConnell was out to get him and was like, fuck him, like, Obama was like, no, fuck this guy. I'm not going to work with this yeah. guy. And so he sent Biden to do it. Biden is the one who negotiated, like, the, you know, continuation of the Bush-era Bush tax mm. cuts. <laughs> Savvy move, Joey. Savvy move. And, now and you know, Joe seat. Biden came back yep. from those talks so fucking proud of himself. <laughs> yeah. Literally. No, he was fucking pumped. <laughs> like he accomplished something, yo. He's like, man, I finally made a deal, Barry. Um, I, I, I can just read from this a little bit if you guys want. It's in Politico. It's called Enemies, a Love Story. Inside the 36-year Biden and McConnell relationship. The first time Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell faced off, Biden blinked first. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. Joe fucking Scranton Joe crumbling under questioning. He probably fell asleep for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> he blinked first and didn't open his eyes for 30 minutes. Um, it was the winter of 2012. Then, as now, Democrats had just won a presidential election, had a narrow Senate majority, and Biden was earnestly proclaiming that the election would break the Republican fever of opposing the Democratic agenda. The first test came immediately. A cascade of deadlines on December 31, 2012, set up a world economy-level battle known as the fiscal cliff. Without any action by Congress, the next year would bring about $700 billion in combined tax hikes hikes and budget cuts, extreme austerity measures that could cripple the recovering economy. The Democratic Senate Majority Leader, Harry Reid, was willing to go over the cliff if McConnell didn't agree to tax increases for the highest earners, one of Democrats' signature campaign promises. <laughs> Reid reasoned that if taxes were to rise automatically, McConnell would have to negotiate from a weakened position. Biden and Bi Obama and Biden, however, feared an adverse reaction from the markets. So, uh, Interesting, like, 
you know, I didn't really pay that much attention to Harry Reid when he was in the Senate, but he really was one of the only people of recent memory who actually knew how to negotiate with McConnell. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't give a fucking inch. Right. Um, in a move that angered Reid, Biden took over the negotiations with Obama's blessing. The outcome, a continuation of Bush-era tax cuts with a relatively modest hike of 1.8% weighted toward higher earners, was the kind of deal both negotiators could celebrate. Jesus. Oh, my God. This is your president, McConnell people. did. Yo, he's, McConnell did celebrate, crowing to his fellow Republicans that in a government controlled two-thirds by the Democrats, we got permanency for 99% of the Bush tax cuts. Yo, <laughs> this is this is like, it's like somebody needs to tell Biden, uh, this is classic, you you know like the fake friends that your real friends would come say, man, like, he ain't your real friend, like he talks shit about you behind your back. <laughs> exactly. Like Joe just refuses to believe that Mitch would say a bad word about him behind his back. It's it's like <laughs> this is the guy who is now in charge of like an economy in free fall and the COVID like crisis. So it's like this bumbling like fucking fool who thinks that he's accomplishing something with the Republicans, but he's really just getting like fucked over. It's crumbs. It's, it's, it's nothing. It's, 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 how do you how do you reach the age of like seventy something years old and still like I don't understand. That's that's insane. Yeah. Um, the uh, the portrait portrayed in this piece <laughs> makes Biden look like legitimately the biggest fucking mark <laughs> in American politics. This- At one point, McConnell literally called the White House because McConnell could not get a deal with Reed. You know, Reed Harry Reed was like, "No, fuck you, man. <laughs> like, um, we're gonna start from where I want to start." And so McConnell basically took the ball and went home. And what he did was he called the White House. This is what he said. He reached out to Biden. He got his voicemail. Is there anyone over there who knows how to make a deal, McConnell said. Obama agreed to have Biden take over the negotiations. With Reid seething in the wings, Biden and McConnell began crafting a compromise. A, co- a compromise. <laughs> no, you're just, you're just giving them what they fucking want, yeah. Crafting a compromise. Say more about this compromise, Terrence. Before we say anything, Um, let's hold our judgment. (laughs) Biden went down to the Senate to personally explain the fiscal cliff deal to Democratic senators. He wasn't going to sell a deal he didn't believe in. Asked by reporters at the time what he told his former colleagues, Biden responded, I said, this is Joe Biden, and I'm your buddy. (laughs) It was a telling comment. Biden's willingness to go the extra mile for a compromise that many senators distrusted, some Obama aides said, was evidence of both his political adroitness and his desire to move the ball forward even a few inches in the face of backlash from his own party. Oh, my God. (laughs) What? What? um, So, yeah, the compromise they got was uh, the outcome. It was, was, like I said, it was literally a continuation of 99% of the Bush-era tax cuts. The, the Democrats basically got nothing. But Biden was immensely proud of him. So. Well, they didn't get nothing. They got something to run on for the next 10 to 12 years. <laughs> True. And they have, and they will continue to do nothing about their own folly because they will continue to need something to run on going forward, especially now. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is your play right. if you're the Democrats after Biden? Uh-huh. I mean, it's also just like, what? you know, this idea of like working across the aisle and like the fact that like you know we need unity now like the republicans would never do this like they would never do this and instead of looking at that as like you know uh, uh, like you know uh, an expression of like wielding power like knowing how to wield power like the democrats are like oh they're being divisive oh they're being this oh they're being that oh we have to give them what what we have to give an inch right we have to give more we have to give more and it's like dude no that's what harry reed understood i guess right like no, fuck you, McConnell. Yeah, I mean, he Harry Reid was by no means a radical leftist, but he did he understand understood politics. the concept of... Ne- he understood, yeah, the, he basic, understood the, con- the, the, the basic precepts of negotiation is... Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, why, that's why McConnell called the White House, and that's why his exact words were, does anybody know how to make a deal? What he meant was... Is anybody dumb enough over there to come down here and do what I say? Is anyone dumb enough over there to come down here and get conned by me? And sure enough, 
fucking Scranton Joe was. <laughs> Scranton Joe said, by God, I'll answer the bell. <laughs> it is like, I posted this little thing when you sent me that, Terrence. It was a, this episode of King of the Hill where Hank goes to the to the car dealer that he's been dealing with for like 30 years. And his wife has this like, you know, new good deal for a car. And then he just says, no, honey, don't you step out here and let me and Tom finish this negotiation. And then he shows them proudly that he that he paid sticker price and not a penny more. <laughs> That's Joe Biden. That's Joe Biden. Because right. Joe, Biden, Joe Biden, more than anything else, Joe Biden wants to be thought of as a swell guy and this statesman and a guy that like you can you can deal with by the Republicans. But what he's too fucking stupid to understand is that the Republicans are not going to make a deal unless that the Democrats are taking the worst of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Because yeah, they too ba- understand the-, the basic precepts of negotiation. I mean, I'm really fascinated with the unity thing. I think the thing that fascinates me most of all about the unity thing is how half-assed it is, like how hollow it is. I mean, they're not trying to persuade you to come together. They're At the mm. same time, they're not forcing any of us to come together. They're not even trying to understand the nature of the rift. They're yeah. literally just walking in on a burning building, you know, like a, a massive conflagration and just saying, stop, come together, yeah. Yeah. stop. In a monotone voice, you know what I'm saying? Just, hey, just come yeah. together, just stop it. It's just like... They, they, they also have no understanding of how far that the, the proverbial Overton window is shifted to the right. Like these yeah. are these are not the Joe the Plumbers of yesteryear. These are not these are not like the like disaffected Reaganites. These are not like moderate Republicans that they believe were like a strong voting bloc. Like a lot of people that they think they can bring to their side are people that don't are not even dealing in reality. Yeah, and the Democrats aren't dealing in reality by by either by like thinking that they still live in a world where like people are just. More or less moderate on on the right. I, I think like people, dude. It's I think they think too that like because like you know they're despite what happened at the Capitol, you know the fact that Biden won and you know there was this like transfer of power. I think they think in their minds because they they have it such in such high esteem, they think that everybody else does. And suddenly all of these like crazy motherfuckers like who were storming the Capitol or like wanted to or agreeing with it suddenly are like, OK, well, I guess like, you know, the game is over. Right. Like Joe Biden is president, like because like we had this whole inauguration, we had this whole ceremony. He said a few nice words. And I don't think they realize that that pisses those people off like even more. I, yeah, I, I mean, my Facebook feed right now is quite literally people saying, just wait. Just trust God's plan. Just trust the process. The storm's like, they're coming. They're literally, they're yes, they're literally saying the storm's still, still delayed, coming, but still coming. <laughs> I mean, I think that like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the show, but there's something to be said for that. Like, you know, part of I think the right wing worldview is, and maybe people disagree with this. I'm not even f- sure if I'm fully wedded to it. But it does feel like they have a better sense of long-term objectives than the left does. For example, I mean, there's all kinds of different uh, reasons for why Ossoff and Warnock mm. won in Georgia. And, and it could have been because of higher voter turnout. It could have been because more Republicans set it out because Loeffler and Purdue weren't sufficiently pro-Trump. But you can't argue that it wasn't insane that— Republicans were taking out ads and billboards and radio ads against Loeffler and Purdue. Like, can you mm. imagine trying to convince a room full of leftists to sit out an election that important? Yeah. Like, you would get shouted out of the fucking room. And the reason is, is because these right-wingers, they, they have a dedication to a longer-term project. Yeah, they have a long-term ideological I, goal, I, yeah. yeah. They really do. And they can send out a few bad administrations if that means that the, the you know— that the storm comes a little bit later. I don't know why this is. My own sort of like uh, pet theory for it is that like most of them are, you know, Christians. They're religious 
and and so they've already been waiting the past couple decades for the rapture, and so they can they can sit through yeah, a couple that, of bad like 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 the 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 rapture drills were the preparation for the storm coming. Yeah. I, <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, I don't know if this is like this is something I've thought for a while. Um, I don't know if this is like controversial, but I think that the right they're just better materialists, right? Like in the sense where they can like survey like you know like the future of their political party, right? Like this white identitarian, minoritarian, a liberal party, and they can see that and see changing demographics and see like you know the country or at least people possibly becoming like if not more like left wing, like demanding more of government, government to be used to do something, and like for that they plan for the long term, you know. And I don't know. It's a uh, yeah. It's. It's troubling. Dude, the, I mean, the abortion fight is the best example of that. I mean, dude, <laughs> I, these people have been, when was the summer of mercy or whatever that fucking shit was called? That was like 1992. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they're still just as like fervent. I mean, it's like the 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 um the passion they have around the abortion cause is fascinating because it's literally like if people were still that passionate about the ERA, <laughs> the Equal Rights yeah. Amendment. Both of them are about the same age. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I mean, I guess my point is that um. I, I, yeah, I I don't know. I, 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 there's been a lot of speculation as to what the GOP, the right wing, is going to look like in the coming years. Whether their cause is, um, you know, kaput. You know, whether they finally exhausted all of their electoral. Um, viability or or um, ability to mobilize people, but um, I do think fundamentally that they're not going to have that much trouble uh, mobilizing people. And the reason why is because I think in the coming years it'll be more explicit that Republicans represent cops in extractive jobs in extraction in industries. And Democrats represent Hollywood, yeah. Silicon Valley, nonprofits, and media jobs. You know what I mean? Like those are the fucking battle lines. Well, that's what that. And, a po- and politics have to conform to that. Well, that's what that whole fucking uh, that that night in America thing. You know, like with Tom Hanks headlining it, and all of these people that like. It's just like, are the are the Democrats like so oblivious that like? I mean, I'm not saying they should not do this shit anyway. They're gonna do it anyway, right? But like, are they are they so oblivious where they don't see how it's like they're taunting like all of these like crazy QAnon people, like they're literally like fucking yeah. like you know what I'm saying like in their faces you know, and then you know you get I'm you know I'm in Georgia so you get folks like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, and I think that's what they're gonna have to like deal with, like in very short you know frame of time. Like I don't think it's gonna be like a couple years. It might just be an election cycle, you know. Like in two years, you're gonna see yeah. like more people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and you know Bobert pop up, and I mean the Democrats are still not gonna wake up. <laughs> you know Listen, I mean? man, hey, say what you want about Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's got some bold ideas for government. <laughs> <laughs> that she do. <laughs> They're fresh, and uh, you know, and she hits the ground running with them. You know, she doesn't wait for them to take shape over decades. You know, <laughs> so I. I mean, I made this comparison on Twitter. It's not a one-to-one. Um, but, I mean, historically, efforts to unify have generally not ended well. Um, <laughs> generally, the, to, the political space, the dynamic that you create when you try to unify is very fraught and tenuous and usually just loads more dynamite onto the powder keg or whatever the idiom is. That well, Doc, you just, Aaron just said it. You have... A senator, or not a, a, a congressperson from Georgia, that filed articles of impeachment against Trump day one. <laughs> just, just she drafted those shits at least like a week before that. Uh, she had that way. That was like her big, her big move, you know. And this is a woman that that said that uh, Sandy Hook was a false flag, uh, the Parkland shooting yeah. was a false flag. I mean, it's. You know, we, we don't talk enough about, like, the infiltration of government by, like, actual psychos. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the right is able to do that. Like, I mean, I guess on the left, like, the only, like, example is, like, AOC, Cory Bush, like, the squad. 
but like i just don't see that replicating at like a fast you know as fast a pace as like all these right-wing psychos coming in like in the house you know well they and i said this recently i was on the bad faith podcast uh, just last week with Corey robin and tony from minion death cult we talked about the future of the right but the thing is that the right has greater institutional capacity yeah. the right has clubs they have biker clubs the right has the southern baptist convention a massive institution that can mobilize tens of thousands of people at the drop of a dime yeah. golf they the have a whole has sport. nothing even remotely similar yeah what the fuck do we have do what um um well i made this <laughs> okay. comparison go ahead Terrence. i made this c- comparison on twitter but honestly the unity stuff it very much seems like i mean the the comparison because i'm re-listening to the mike duncan series on the french revolution it feels very much like the situation in like 1791 where um you finally have the ascension of like the liberal no you, it's it's in this it's in this like period of tumult and violence and you know chaos in the streets and 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 so then you have the ascension of the sort of liberal nobles like Lafayette you know the guys that fought in the American Revolution and everybody pats themselves on the back and they're smug and they're like we finally done it we finally put the nation together like we finally been able to bridge all these gaps and you know uh, put the, put our whole fingers in the dike so that it doesn't explode all over all of us or whatever and it's just like, and then just like within a, a couple of months, the entire fucking system just <laughs> completely unravels and falls apart. Yeah. It's just it's like, historically, efforts to unify just don't really work. Because out. like, what is the what is the what is the argument for unification? Like again, I think that they really do think that okay, like this is what happens. We have a transfer. We had an election. We have a peaceful transfer of power, and now I'm president, and now we have a new administration, and now you have to like you know you at least have to like meet us halfway. And it's like no man. Like these people like believe don't believe that you were like legitimately like elected, you know what I'm saying? And then you're gonna turn around and work with this party, who like people like Ted Cruz, you know, Josh Hawley, you know, even Mitch McConnell, who apparently like you know after it was the whole six thing like kind of started going hard on Trump. But it's like yo, these people just like were saying that you were an illegitimate president, and you want to turn around and work with them. <laughs> And welcome. You want to be a president <laughs> them. You need to look no further than the motherfucking Civil War to see how unification efforts, the post the Reconstruction period, to see how that shakes out. Mm-hmm. Like, look. Yeah, I mean, it. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's, this country makes. Everything is fucking punitive in this country except for, like, the few things that should actually be punitive, like hanging people like Nathan Bedford Forrest, for example, <laughs> instead of erecting statues to them. Huh. Yeah, it makes me wonder if they'll really continue forward with the impeachment shit. I mean, I, these are the same people who in 2008 said, we're looking forward, not behind us. I mean, and if you're talking about unity, I can't see how going forward with the impeachment thing is, uh, you know, bringing everybody together. They are stupid enough to, I mean, they're completely out of touch, and that's another reason why it's so surreal and ridiculous. So maybe they will keep going forward with it, but I, I could see them abandoning it just because, like I said, it, it's it's not good for the brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I mean, it's also just like they, like their base. I think like duh, they do want these people to be held accountable. You know, like like just throw them some fucking red meat. You know what I mean? Like go forward with this impeachment. But again, like you know, these elected officials, these Dems, like no, it'll be it'll be. You know, it'll be too. Uh, it's too much, right? We should we should come together now. Like that's in the past. I mean, they were even saying that shit about Mike Pence yesterday, like um, the fact that he came to the inauguration. You know, and it's like, dude, right. like Mitch McConnell, <laughs> Mitch McConnell. <laughs> and I'm like, motherfucker, like up until a week ago. You know what I'm saying? Like two weeks ago. Like these motherfuckers. Bro, they were, were <laughs> they were they were calling everybody in Kentucky trailer trash for electing this guy again. Oh my god. And and also we find out that what? That uh that well I mean this is from a little while ago, but Biden fucking even reached out to Mitch and said, Mitch, we want we want you back. Yeah, we want you back. Mitch. And they purposely yeah. didn't run anybody like of any of any substance against him for a number of years because they, they thought he could be reasoned with. They liked they liked the crook they knew, I guess is what the rationale was. You know, it's just like 
like it's just like not having object permanence or something like that's the only way i could think of to describe it. it's like they just keep like running for the fucking football you know and getting it yanked away and they just keep doing it over and over and over again yeah and well, I, I think that they're right, go ahead, they're in an advanced state of denial about what has become <laughs> of this country <laughs> that's so bleak <laughs> Uh, when I the people know, in man. power it's, can't it's, see the burning house, like that is like they're inside of it, and they're like, "No, this is fine," and they're locking the doors look, when you're trying to escape in the windows, and they're like, "No, it's fine," like, "No, it's fine." <laughs> no, you need you don't need to look any further than the fact that on the day that they stormed the Capitol building, Biden came out and was like. Now everybody just needs to calm down and go home and let the process pay out. And it's just like, <laughs> dude, you could not be more out of touch. Like, that's incredible to me. It's terrifying. And that's what that's what makes it so surreal and hard to deal with. It's because, like, you've got the media spectacle and all of them saying, like, that we're on the hallowed grounds of the space that was so vilely defiled last week, blah, blah, blah. And you've got the spectacle of their, um, you know— worshiping at the altar of democracy and then you look out at, at the vast expanse of this country you know with thousands of people dying a day um you know these political factions that make no sense and they're at each other's throats at all times i mean it's just like it, there's just such a massive gap i've never seen it this massive mm. before between what the elite thinks is happening and what is actually happening yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is that no, that, no, that makes perfect <laughs> sense, man. Again, it's like, again, I, I really do think that, like, who is this inauguration for? Like, again, I know people are watching yeah. it, right? But I'm just thinking of, like, the, the tens of millions of, like, working people out there, you know what I mean? Or people that are, like, stressed about out about being kicked out of their homes or, like, just, like, w like waiting on this, like, check, you know, hopefully a monthly check. And how do those people feel when they watch this? I mean, yeah, maybe like Tom said, people are relieved because more than like disliking Trump, they just don't want to deal with like having to see his face every fucking day. You know what I mean? Um, but it's like, who, who is this inauguration for? Like, like it, it by like, it just seemed really, it's just performative. You know, it's just for all of these people to get together. It feels like a, a red carpet type of event. That's what it feels like when you're watching it. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, it kind of makes sense because in their minds, in their minds, like, politics is entertainment now, obviously. Like, this was proven with Obama and everything. Yeah. But Trump is the bad expression of that. And if you could just take it back and make it the Hollywood. You just got to change the channel. Make it Mar yeah, make it Marvel yeah. movies, which they were, the move, the music they were playing was, like, literally music <laughs> out of a Marvel was movie. Out of Man. Man. Your eye is so bad, and then like everybody's like commenting on like who's the designer of everybody's dress. It's like it's like an award show or something. Yeah, dude, I, I yeah, I have never been more convinced. <laughs> I've never been more convinced watching this thing that like the future in twenty years is gonna be just extreme ecological collapse and catastrophe. Cops just roided out cops <laughs> wandering the streets as judge jury and executioner working three jobs at nine cents an hour but being able to vote for whichever entertainer entertainer you think is closer to your own values and, and while, while you wait to get shipped to like an asteroid bot or some shit like that yo yeah, like you're gonna ask yeah, gonna end exactly. up on the fucking moon like fucking digging for rare earth rare moon minerals to fucking power elon musk's new fucking colony on mars <laughs> nah, yeah, this is like, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think that's like watching it the whole day, I just felt extremely grim. Like, I felt really grim. And, you know, there was that, there was that part where that girl came on through a poem, you know? Um, you know, uh, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to do it. was fucking horrible. It's a horrible poem. I don't like it. It, may, it reminds me when I used to try to do a slam poetry. Like back in New York when I like thought I could do that shit. It's just how everybody talks like this and you have to give off this certain affectation. And it's just like, it was fucking garbage. It was a stupid poem, yeah. but it really was grim as fuck. Because here's this like beautiful young girl, you know, who's like full of hope and promise. And she's reading this poem on this day where we're all supposed to accept like, okay, our long national nightmare is over. And I just imagine like 
you know, taping this and watching it 20 years later and like, you know, <laughs> and like some fucking slum and just being like with cops outside, like you said, Terrence Royden, roaming around and beat the shit out of motherfuckers. And I'm just watching this and looking at it like, yeah, that's where, uh, that's where, that's where we started, man. <laughs> Bro, let me tell y'all something. This is going to sound a little harsh to the ears of the uninitiated, but there will come a day that we all wish that whoever was in charge would have sent a... Because they're, I mean, they're, it's it's too far, it's too far gone, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, like, dude, like the horse is out of the barn this, with the cop yeah. thing. Yeah. I, dude, this is why I was in such a dark place on Wednesday. Like, all of these things sort of swirled together and combined into this really dark sort of composite image of everything. Like... I, like I said, I talked to my plumber, and he's articulating actual material, uh, you know, uh, demands yeah. uh, and identifying real material yeah. enemies, but only being able to identify his only ally in that fight as, like, someone who wants to incite, you know, ethnic uh, genocide and all this other stuff. I mean, that's pretty dark. But then, like, so in my own hometown in New Mexico... The sheriff's office is insane. In Lee County, New Mexico, the sheriff's department is fucking nuts. Like, when the governor there tried to pass, like, a lockdown order again a few months ago, they were literally going around trying to tell small business owners how they could break that rule. Basically, how they could not lock their restaurants down. Um, And then I saw this thing from them on Wednesday that just blew my fucking mind, man. They put out a press release for immediate release Wednesday night, January 20th, 2021. On January 13th, 2021, a driver in the area of Eva Street and Grimes Street alert. Shout out to Grimes, <laughs> baby. Uh, <laughs> I'm from Grimes, born and raised, baby. Um, alerted a Lee County Sheriff's deputy about a white SUV driving recklessly northbound on Grimes. Uh, deputy located the vehicle turning east, blah, blah, blah. Um, the deputy stopped the vehicle and noticed two people on si- inside, man and a woman. The deputy noticed tears on the face of the female passenger. Dude, this is in a press release. I'm going to keep going. So if you're easily triggered by this shit, uh, tune out. But this is pretty fucking insane. Deputy noticed tears on the face of the female passenger. The deputy separated the two to investigate further. Lee County Sheriff's investigators responded and interviewed the victim and Smith. This is the dude. The victim stated Smith became angry at her. So, okay, by all, just right now, they haven't named the victim, which is good. You should not name the, any of the people in this, but they have named the dude. The dude has not been found guilty mm. of anything. Granted, after reading this, I'm pretty sure he probably beat her or something. This is probably a domestic violence situation. But they go on to detail everything about this guy, where he lives, his, how many kids he has, where his house is at, what he did in this situation. Like, uh, Smith threw a box of beer bottles at her, landing near her feet. He threatened to drag her with the car if she did not get in the car with the kids. Like, none of it says allegedly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, none of it leaves it open to any bit of legal uh, and interpretation. This is in a public press release. It is written. F- this is in a public oh, press release. I don't know how this is legal, but it's to me it's kind of like how cops and newspapers can publish, you know, like lineup shots and stuff like well, that. Well, they were doing that all over the news mag. when fucking like, and I mean, people are probably gonna be like, "Well, these people tried to storm the Capitol," but they were doing that shit all over the news on CNN, like name these people, man. And I don't know, dude. Like, it just makes yeah. me feel like another thing. I don't know how to really like. I don't really know how to like phrase this properly. So, but I didn't like like the whole i guess people call it classism you know what i mean but yet again these people were like you know fucking jet ski retailers and shit like that and you know they weren't like uh you know working class people or maybe it was cross class right but it seemed like like racialized in a way like these descriptions right when i say racialized i guess like an othering that really made me feel uncomfortable like as a black person and when i see that shit on the news of like all of these like well this is the person that did this and this person that did this it's like yeah man they stormed the capital that shit but i could easily imagine like as a black leftist you know i mean they do this shit they actually do do these things to the left so it's like it, it makes me uncomfortable it's like you know the omen of a police state like a true like hardcore police state truly the i mean this is the thing it's like in their minds the mentality has become 
in the media and bet- among the cops themselves. I mean, the idea of, you know, innocent until proven guilty has just been completely yeah. jettisoned. We've completely lost that. Like, cops basically have their own Our judge, rules, jury, execution yeah. now. Literally. That is exactly yeah. what they are. I mean, I think that this this is really what fucking freaks me out. Like, these people have become so inured to the idea at this point. Uh, they've become so, I guess, they, they've become so used to the idea that the buck stops yeah. at them. That they are, yes, judge, jury, mm-hmm. and executioner. And that once you come under the purview or the, or the cross-eye or whatever of a cop, you are already yeah. guilty. You have no say. Otherwise, I think this is, you know, this is obviously why they just fucking kill people mm-hmm. in the streets. Um, but it's just like, these people are the future. I mean, like, and, and it's like Tom was saying, like, we've gone too far mm-hmm. at this point. Like, this is why, to me, the only real profound, powerful political demand I've seen come out of the streets in the last 10 years is to fund yeah. the police. Because it's the yeah. only one that's streamlined, mm-hmm. makes sense, and actually attacks a lot of these Antagonizes you know? who needs to be antagonized, exactly. man. And I, and I think yeah. that, too. I think that we, if we do not cultivate the mindset and quick that we need to have an antagonistic relationship with the police in every community in this country... That like there's no coming back from this because in, in 20 years you're talking about the 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 fucking harvest <laughs> of just decades and decades and decades of cop culture and the lionization of cops and everything, mm-hmm. it's just going to come to a head and all these fuckers that aided and embedded it aren't going to be able to do anything about it. Like cops are the strongest, most powerful. You have basically a taxpayer funded paramilitary arm that's paid. To harass us and keep us in and, line. And held accountable by no one, not even like local executive officials. Like Mayor de Blasio, I think it was like over the summer, apparently like his daughter had went to one of these BLM protests and um, the NYPD or members of the NYPD had doxed her, like said horrible racist things about her. And then fucking de Blasio yeah, turns like, around and says like, oh, you know, the cops, they're doing their job, you know, or they've had a hard time. And it's like, dude, like these people, these fucking animals literally... Can y'all hear me? I lost you for a second. Start from oh, where you no, said. I was saying. You said Mayor de Blasio, his daughter over yeah, the summer. Yeah, de, de Blasio's daughter over the summer was involved in, like, the BLM protests. And um, cops, like, targeted her, um, doxed her, like, you know, uh, said, like, horrible racist things about her, like, violent things about her. And de Blasio, like, I don't know if it was a couple weeks later or whatever, but not even referenced to this event. Just, he I, don't, he, I don't even think he talked about it publicly. Like, he says, oh, yeah, the cops are doing a great job, you know? The NY, like, you that, th- thank, yeah. thank you to the NYPD, right, for maintaining the peace this That's summer. That's like, man. Even the fucking politicians are scared of these people, yo. They're terrified, man. And it's also the other thing, too, is, like, even with the Capitol siege, like, for all this fucking hand-wringing about our sacred democracy was defiled and all this stuff, we got video of these cops all but giving, some of these cops all but giving these people massage. Okay. Like, the guy that walked in there and was like, hey, could you guys just, you know, this is the most sacred place. Could y'all just, like, kind of take that? somewhere yeah. else you know yeah. y'all need anything you need to sacred- <laughs> yeah and then ask the guy if he needed medical attention yeah. but but yeah but this is where it's weird too because like there were cops like there were cops there like you know off-duty co- cops there and then like cops like letting them in and you know then they have like some folk like the guy who apparently like led that black dude who like he was at the inauguration too who like led these people around like and got him like so it's like there's like and who, and who and who for his and who got the honor of escorting Joe Biden to his inauguration? Exactly. Oh my God! Yes. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I yes. didn't know that. Well, he's a hero now. Like he's a hero. I mean, like you know, like fucking like white libs are just like, like you know, oh this this black guy who saved democracy. You know what I mean? Who saved the country, yo? It's uh... like really fucking creepy. It's cringe. It's cringe as hell. Right. Remember. <laughs> Like they love it. Remember when they were all over Sully's nuts, Captain Sully's yeah. nuts, yeah. for just like marginally wrecking an airplane on a river, doing his fucking job, <laughs> not killing people. Yeah, yeah, dude. I, yeah, this is why. This is really why I was in such a dark place because, like, 
people seem to have this idea that fascism is going to come, you know, there's that famous book, like, it could happen here, yeah, or whatever that here. fucking book is that people yeah. like to quote. It's just like, they think that it's going to come, like, looking like Hitler, that some, like, charismatic leader is going to come and trick the masses and brainwash them and get them involved in this movement and they're going to be misled and i'm you know they unfortunately they can be misled and and before we know it we'll have a, a nazi party and a third reich and all this and it's like maybe the more realistic way to look at this is that if you're trying to build a movement these people have everything yeah. they need they have a paramilitary arm that agrees with them on basically mm. everything. They might be a little pissy with them right now because of the capital stuff, and they challenge their authority, but they'll get over it because they have the same. Yeah, they're largely interest. sympathetic. And and then, yeah, and is just put on a pedestal by society. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, and then you have, and then you have on the other hand, uh, a cross class force of plumbers, <laughs> workers. Um, Sea-do dealership <laughs> owners, people who are vaguely pissed off about the way the establishment works and how it's not working for them either culturally, geographically, or whatever, economically. I mean, it's just like everything they need. And that's why... Athletes, entertainers. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I th think like the next fascist leader will be like a roided out, like bone dumb grunt from like the Houston PD narcotics unit or something. Someone who can like, you know just what I mean? Vessel. Like they think that like Holly or no, Cruz are going to be no. the ones to tame this beast. And are it's you, just like, are you kidding yeah. me? No, nah, dude, no, like Josh Holly and Cruz are going to like rub the red carpet thinking they're going to get to be the leader. And then this dude's just going to shoot them in the head. <laughs> on live TV. Well, still on their oh dude, they'll be absolutely. They'll be devoured. <laughs> Stop this fuck out. That's, and that's what it, and that's what it's, and that's what that's what the stakes are, and that's why like last week when people are like, "Oh, you you guys weren't taking the siege seriously," and blah blah blah, and I was like, "Well, what do you want me to say?" Well, what I want to say to you is that those are the stakes. What are you gonna do about it? You gonna let all the people in your community just like slide into this way of looking at the world and thinking about the world because the Democrats have nothing to fucking yeah. offer them? We need to figure something out and fucking yeah. quick. Yeah. Because like this is what's I happening. Mean this is, I, I, no, I'm yeah. just gonna say, think about fascism too, man. You, you, that's a, such a great point. It's like even on the left sometimes, like where people think like it's gonna arrive in this particular way, and it's like, yo, like it's a process, it's a development, like it's already happening, and we can yes. see it happening. And it's not fascism until it's fascism. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I don't know what the fuck to think about what happened on like the sixth either, right? Like I'm not clowning it. It was like absurd and it was menacing, but it's also just like, dude, it's it's. It's something that hasn't taken a final form yet, but I can kind of see it. You know what I mean? And we yeah. need some, we need some, like, yeah, we need some resistance to that, man. I don't know what Trump is apparently going to start a third political party. This is what I'm hearing. It's called the Patriot <laughs> Party, by the way. So that's, uh, I, he actually did that. And I think when he ran in 2000 or 2004, whenever he ran, he ran on like the Constitutional uh, yeah, Party. Yeah, Constitutional Party. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I think. Jesus, man. No, I, that, I, I, that, I, uh, that, that I could see a world where that would be a coup for the left, but the dangerous part about that is I could also see a world that like I don't know, man. That's scary thing. I don't want to say like where I could see like a third like constitutional type whatever kind of Trump party taking over, but that wouldn't be no Ross Perot fucking uh, uh, you know what's your old uh, Johnson. Yeah. The old governor of New Mexico, it wouldn't be that type of shit. Gary Johnson. It would be like some a serious challenge to the right. That's the thing. Most people are disaffected with both parties. They hate every fucking politician. I mean, that I don't know, man. Um, I've been I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, because like I think the left seems to well, a it has a it's wedded to a very historical view of what fascism traditionally looks like and so it's like oh it has to look exactly like it unfolded in 1930s Ger 20s 30s germany or whatever and it's like you're exactly right aaron it's a process it's a dialectical process um and so it's not going to look the same but another part of that is that leftists think that like oh well we only really have a couple of options there's really only a couple of things we can do one of which is to put out candidates like the squad and like bernie and people, because of their material 
mm. interest because of the way the things that they need will automatically gravitate to those policies and that and those persons. And I just have to say that no, that's not, not that all. is not the way it works. Be mostly because uh, this is a lesson I had to learn a long time ago as an organizer. Anytime you're asking somebody for something. Anytime you're uh, basically trying to use them for your own political project without guaranteeing them anything in return, with no underlying trust built up, basically just saying, hey, trust me, vote for me, and I'll give you X, Y, and Z. With no underlying trust there, people aren't going to get on board. People are not no. stupid. And this is another point mm -hmm. I need to make. Like, People are not stupid. Most people are smart. They look around them. They they take an inventory of their material conditions and their opportunities for advancement or change, and they, in their minds, they make that calculus and say, well, it's not going to happen right now, so I'm just going to do what I can to save yeah. my family and to save myself because there's no other out right now. There's no yeah. other way out. And uh, and, and I, I don't know. I Once again, I leftists really need to stop treating people like they're fucking yeah. infants. Yeah. <laughs> like... I don't I mean, know. It's like yeah. if the if the right, you know, you mentioned this before, Terrence. If the right has like uh, community, you know, it has these bonds um, that are, you know, that are not like tenuous, you know, like they're bonds that are like, I mean, this is why people show up to shit, you know. And if they have all of that, and then also like this this aggrieved like feeling, right, of like having lost something, right, and the left like doesn't like you know doesn't create doesn't create those like similar bonds and like you know feelings of community and whatnot it's like yeah you're right like people are like not going to want to like participate or be a part of anything you know you're not making people feel like they're part of something bigger than them themselves you know you're just like entrusting them you know you're just saying hey like I, if I vote for you, you'll do it. And like, it doesn't really like work yeah. like that. And the right realizes that it doesn't work like that. That's why they form bonds, community, like long lasting, like partnerships, you know what I mean? That develop over time. And like, I don't know how like quickly we can like replicate that on the left before, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. You're exactly right. I, I think that, um, there's this idea that the, that people are just sort of like infants and you dangle something in front of them and they'll be like, yeah, I'll take that because that's what mm. I need. It's just like we've done none of the necessary to work to necessary work to build mm. up trust in any of these communities. I mean, there are a few exceptions for mm. sure. There are like, you know, organizations that have worked in communities a long ass time, but exactly. they're pockets, you know, there's no like larger national interstate institutions that exactly. can bridge that you know no unions or anything anymore and so it's it's um, I th that's that's why it's like the only thing that we can do right now is to really try yeah. to do that <laughs> you know to try to build up fucking trust yeah. and bonds with each other i mean I, I don't have any other answers i mean it's good to like vote for the squad and people and stuff like that but it's not enough i, I yeah, it's, it's not, not enough. enough. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to. Never mind. I was gonna, I was gonna say some valid points about that. I don't even get into that. But like, that's it's just like the, this idea that like these people, like Bernie or the Squad. I mean, sure, they might have the institutional power to like you know the, to do parliamentarian tricks. You know what I mean? But essentially, like they have to rely on like people and they have to rely on like a wide popular base of support and like something that's extra political, right? Something that's parallel, that's counter hegemonic to just their like you know power within congress and government so it's like how much do you want them to fucking do man that's why like i don't even fucking get mad at him i'm just like dude whatever they're, they're like bernie's a uh, fucking senator he's not a bolshevik you know what i mean like we need to be doing that work yeah. you know what i'm saying uh, <laughs> i've been laughing about approaching like uh, a blue collar worker in my community and like did you hear the good news brother <laughs> Senator Bernie Sanders is going to be on the Senate Budget Committee. <laughs> Just like, the fuck is that? Nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives a fuck, yo. Oh man, that's how we. That's how bleak. I mean, come on, man. I don't know. It's just uh, we got we got to figure out something I, quick, man. I, I yeah, I, I reserve the right to be bleak this week. I've had a terrible goddamn <laughs> week, so. <laughs> I get to be fucking you bleak password. Yeah, no, no, no messages about bleakness this week. Okay, you can resume next what week. What would you say, Tom? Like we just we just yeah. call the balls and strikes, right? That's it. <laughs> <laughs>
Pirates. Some Pirates. Yeah, shit. Uh, now we enter Moloch. Let's go. Um. <laughs> well, anything else? I the only other thing I had on my list of things to discuss was Mike Lindell, my my pillow CEO, having a secret relationship with um, <laughs> what? What's her name from Thirty Rock? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Did you not see this, Aaron? Um. Yeah. Mike Lindell. Yeah, the, the my CEO pillow guy. Yeah, the hawking his pillow. Yeah, the my pillow right yeah, Crazy there. Trump dude too. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is one of the biggest advocates of stop the steal. Um, Jane Krakowski from uh, Thirty Rock. She denies yeah, it. Though, his, uh, so his I don't know. Second wife left him because uh, he was boring. <laughs> that's what. That's what she said. <laughs> and she ruined. He ruined the past two years of her life. So. Yeah. Um, I would deny it too, probably. No, and that's. Did she? Yeah, she. Um, did she deny it? She, she denied it. Yeah. She, uh, Mike Lindell, I guess this week, <laughs> like all of Bed, these Bath, um, Beyond, companies, Coles, Coles decided I think. to You're stop carrying the companies his that, that are not product, selling his shit like anymore. Bed Bath and Beyond and Coles and stuff. Like they're no longer carrying my pillow. Um, but, th- and so this is like completely sent the conservatives into a frenzy. And I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you have any like conservative friends, but they've started using the word cancel in the same way that like I don't want to be canceled and I and I I'm not going to be canceled and they're trying to cancel me. Like they've 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 adopted the word cancel as like equivalent <laughs> to like I'm going to be killed or put into a labor camp. Like they're trying to cancel me, and yeah, I don't I'm want no, them I've to cancel it. me. You know, what I, mean? I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Yeah, like it's a it's a fate somehow worse than death. <laughs> um, I think that's partially why, because like guys like Mike Lindell can no longer God, sell their yeah. pillows at Bed Bath. <laughs> I mean, it's just like the consequences. No. <laughs> that's what it is. That's basically what they're saying. So I, I, I have to face consequences yeah. for bad shit that I did, bro. Right, you you knew good and goddamn well before you even put your hat in politics. When you come on the national scene as the my pillow guy, there was going to be consequences and repercussions for that. So, even if you had the best politics ever, like, come on, yeah, man. Yo, what if like Mike Lindell is the one that oh, comes, is the main benefactor of our next uh, fascist dear leader? <laughs> <laughs> pillow fascist Mike Lindell's Q. Pillow fascism. <laughs> That's a good title. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. All right, fellas. Um well let's let's wrap this up and uh get going. Sorry that this episode's a day late. That's what happens. That's the that's the way it goes sometimes. That's what happens. Um you can find us on Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trillbilly Workers Party. Give us $5 a month and you'll get it. Hell yeah, we'll knock that. We won't kick your ass. (laughs) 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 That's right. Um, All right, so support us on Patreon. Enjoy the Unlocked Dollywood episode too. Uh, Yeah, you know what? We get to have a bad episode. We put out the Dollywood (laughs) episode and that shit rocked. So... You know what? <laughs> Let us live, man. <laughs> Let us live. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening, Bye. everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.